Oh, my dear friends of Jesus, if you look at your service bulletin this morning, you will notice that I am not Linda Brown. <laughs> Regrettably, Linda's mother is ill. She's of advanced age, and Linda is with her. Her name is Minnie, and I hope that you will keep Minnie and Linda in your prayers. Peggy, on the other hand, has gone to a family gathering which is uh, on the occasion of the graduation of her niece from high school in Oklahoma. So I know you will keep her in your prayers for safe travel. Now for those of us who are approaching retirement, let me give you some words of encouragement and reassurance. And those who are already retired will surely agree with this. It can be one of the best decisions that you ever make. It can become the best time in your life. After years of public life and stress and very rigid schedule keeping, Jill and I have now settled into a very casual and I must say very productive phase of life. We now stay up late into the evening reading, as late as we would like. And we were able to enjoy that luxury of not getting up at 5.30 a.m. We're not very big television people. We watch the news and some sporting events, and almost never any regular network shows. But we have discovered vintage television from the 1950s and 60s. It's all syndicated and available on cable. We like those old mystery programs on MeTV. <clears throat> those of you of a certain age will recall Perry Mason, the legal courtroom murder mystery series. Well, it's on at 10.30 on weeknights, and we tune in most every week. Perry and Della and Paul always seem to manage to outwit Hamilton Berger and poor Lieutenant Tragg and to solve the mystery and win acquittal for their wrongly accused client. We like the look of the vintage automobiles. Perry drives a 1958 Cadillac convertible that's as long as a school bus. And the clothing, we like the clothing and the high moral tone. And the fact that we can usually figure out the plot is really fun and a lot of laughs. And we like it just as well even if we've seen that particular episode that's playing that evening. At the end, it's always wrapped up in a very nice, neat package. No loose ends. And it's very satisfying. And we come away laughing. And we're thoroughly entertained. And then we go back to reading. Now today is Trinity Sunday. And the gospel reading we heard from John is ultimately about the Holy Trinity. It's one of the few places in the Gospels where all three persons of God are mentioned in one reading, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a major feast day in the life of the church, set aside to celebrate the Holy Trinity. And today we are confronted with a holy mystery. A holy mystery that, unlike the Perry Mason TV episodes, leaves us confounded and wondering and knowing that the Trinity is beyond our human capacity to understand. One God, 
We Christians are monotheists. One God with three persons or personalities. A God of a single essence, represented to us by three persons. God the Father, united with the pre-existing Son and the Holy Spirit. Indeed, a holy mystery. Belief in the Trinitarian nature of God is fundamental to our Christian doctrine and belief. It has been the subject of much theological inquiry, much scholarly inquiry and treatment, much controversy among the early church fathers. And I know that all of you are going to be glad and relieved to know that we're not going to review that complicated theology here this morning. But still, we constantly affirm our belief in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Our Holy Ghost, if you're looking at right one. In just a few moments, we will affirm our faith by means of the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> we say it so frequently, sometimes we don't pay close attention to the fact that the Creed is a ringing and stirring reaffirmation of our Trinitarian doctrine. Indeed, each time we make the sign of the cross, we are praying to God in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is ingrained in our thinking as Christians. I once heard of a seminary student who said to his professor that the Trinity is like water. It exists as a solid, a liquid, and a gas, but it's still water. Well, it was a close call, but he was not kicked out of the seminary. <laughs> For me, at least, I have always found it useful to think of the Trinity in terms of the love of God. We know that God is love. Theologians tell us that the Trinity relates to itself in love. There's a constant movement, a constant dance of love, a constant relationship of the Trinity to itself in love. That is why we Christians can say that God is love. If you don't believe in the Trinity, you can say that God loves, but not that God is love. It is an ongoing relationship that we call the divine economy. God the Father is the creator of the universe. This is revealed to us in Scripture. And He created the universe and each of us out of love. To God we owe our life and breath and our very being. He created us for himself from love. He chose to reveal himself to humanity. God continues to have mercy on his creation and his children. This love is expressed to us in the revelations given to us by the scripture, through the prophets, in the moral teachings that God has given us. In the designation of a people, Israel, chosen by God to be the instrument that would bring the light of his word to a suffering humanity in all the world. And when we had proven ourselves incapable of keeping his laws and his commandments, and when humanity had fallen into sin and imperfection that led to death and condemnation, God the Father, out of love, sent his son to redeem his creation, to humble himself by taking on our human nature. In one act that is itself a holy mystery, Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for us, freely out of love. 
the ultimate act of love. He rescued us from sin and death. Jesus said to his disciples who were always questioning and like us usually didn't understand that we know that Jesus, if we know Jesus, we know the Father. And we know that the Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus himself taught us to pray by saying, Our Father. To acknowledge to the fatherhood of God in a way that we all faithfully continue to this day. And when Jesus had to leave his earthly mission to return to the Father, he told us out of love that he would not leave us comfortless. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. Many of you heard me say that the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit, who is present with us even now, was an act of love. There's a common piece of wisdom that says that if we contemplate and discuss the Holy Trinity for too long, we can easily slip into heresy. This is because it is a mystery, a riddle, an enigma. It is so deep that we must recognize that it is beyond our human capacity to fully understand. Paul reassured us that even though now we don't fully understand... In the kingdom of God that is to come, we will gain some of that understanding. We do not understand this love completely. But I do pray that on this Trinity Sunday, we will let the abundance of love of God wash over us again and again. That as we come to the table of the Lord and we encounter the risen Jesus, we will be moved by his love for us as we overcame sin and death for us. I pray that as we affirm our faith, we will understand the grace and abundance of the love of God. God the Father who created us, God the Son who redeemed us, and God the Holy Spirit who remains with us and sustains us still. Amen.